It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 177, and it's coming towards Christmas, and this, somewhat bizarrely, is one of my favourite Christmas songs, and also, theologically, not bad. There is boy child, Jesus Christ, was born on Christmas Day, and man will live forevermore. Because of Christmas Day Long time ago in Bethlehem So the Holy Bible said Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ Was born on Christmas That's Boney M, and we'll have more from them before the end, because I just love that. Um, Man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. Well, people are very worried about not living. People are in fear of death. And uh, as we look at this quantum, we're going to look at some of the main issues facing our world at the moment. And I guess we do have to begin, sadly, yet again, with COVID because of what I can only describe as the hysteria surrounding Omicron. So let me just give you some examples. The United Kingdom has seen 76,000 cases in one day, which is the highest they've ever seen. New South Wales, 1,700, which is the highest they've ever seen. Um, There's talk of 25,000 cases a day in New South Wales alone. Uh, As I came to work this morning, there are queues outside testing stations, and you can see the level of panic in people. The media do not help this because they report numbers of cases, not so much the hospitalizations and deaths, which are much, much lower. China has detected its second case of the Omicron coronavirus variant. Um, China also, by the way, I'll give you a whole bunch of COVID news just now. China has given Nicaragua 1 million vaccines. Why? because it cut diplomatic ties with Taiwan. Who's using this China virus in order to pursue their own power? Hmm. Another interesting thing I came across, there's so much this week, but the Omicron former vaccine task force chief, Clive Dix, has said vaccines are not designed to end transmission. Well, there's a surprise, isn't it? So why do we need vaccine passports if they're not designed to end transmission? The vaccines, he says, will not stop the spread of the virus in the short or medium term. So we have the vaccines to protect ourselves from serious illness. If people choose not to have vaccines, why do you exclude them? You're not stopping the spread by getting the vaccine, according to the government's own scientific advisors. 
Speaking of the UK government, here is Boris Johnson. We can see Omicron spiking now in, in London and some other parts of the country. It, it, here in the capital, it probably represents about 40% of the cases. By tomorrow, it'll be the majority of the cases, and it's increasing the whole time. And uh, sadly, yes, uh, Omicron is producing hospitalizations, and uh, sadly, at least one patient has now uh, been confirmed to have died uh, with Omicron. So uh, I think the idea that this is somehow a milder version of the virus, I think that's something we need to set on one side. One person has died with Omicron. That's what he said. Now, I find that, I find Boris Johnson to be just an incredibly dishonest person, full of bluster and you know, I, I suspect, well, I, I hope his days are numbered, or I hope he'll come to his senses. But this particular gives a, is a, is a great instance of how this is done. So Professor Carol Sikora says that the government is keeping quiet about what was the cause of death of this one person. Was it one person in hospital who happened to have Omicron, or was it somebody who died because of Omicron? The government provided no such information, citing patient confidentiality as the reason for this lack of transparency. That, that doesn't make any sense. They don't have to say who the patient is, but they can surely tell us what they died from. I also came across this from a, a health expert here in Australia. I think it was on the ABC saying this. Questions about whether restrictions should be introduced are going to grow the more cases rise. That's understandable, but it's also important to remember restrictions don't stop the epidemic, they just prolong it. So vaccines don't stop the spread of it and restrictions don't stop the epidemic, they just prolong it. They can be used to buy you time. Well, that was done to allow us vaccines. Now, the costs of lockdown and these kinds of measures will be so much worse than basically people getting it. Apparently, more than a quarter of people in the UK who say they have colds have COVID. In South Africa, and this is more good news in terms of Omicron, the virus death rate is now one in 200, the lowest it's been throughout the pandemic and 10 times lower than last September. And one other bit of good news on COVID. Pfizer's COVID-19 antiviral pill Paxlovid cuts the risk of hospitalisation or death by up to 89% in high-risk patients, according to final trials. Isn't that good news? And instead of this, this panic that people have, you know, we're not going to live forevermore, but most of us, the vast majority of us, are not going to die with this COVID virus. Okay. Let's move on to something. Maybe this sounds a bit Christmassy for you as well. That is Harry Potter. And I, yes, we're going to talk about philosophy and we're going to talk about fantasy and madness. And we're going to talk about J.K. Rowling. And let's go to my beloved Scotland, which has been turned into some kind of fantasy nightmare. A caricature 
of a society, of a country, which Monty Python would be proud of. Police Scotland have said that they may log rapes as being carried out by a woman if the alleged culprit identifies as such. The Assistant Chief Constable Gary Ritchie said it includes where a person born male obtains a full gender recognition certificate, GCRC, and then commits rape, and where a person born male but who identifies as a female and does not have a full GRC commits rape. Kenny McCaskill, the former SNP Justice Secretary, who, who he left the SNP as well, he says this is physically impossible. Women prisoners are being harmed by this and vital crime statistics being rendered useless. And this is where J.K. Rowling comes in. She, using Orwell, said this, War is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength, the penist individual who raped you is a woman. And again, just the dogs of war went loose against her. I'm sorry, but we are living in a fantasy world. The, the SNP, the Scottish government, needs to get back to reality. Now, how this is reported, take, for example, The Independent, which is not independent and which is a rag of a former newspaper, had someone called Nor Berlatsky uh, attacking J.K. Rowling, wrote a, 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 an article for that. Now, Berlatsky was until recently the communications director of the not-for-profit Prostasia Foundation, which has been accused of trying to normalise pedophilia. They call pedophiles MAPS, minor attracted person. They have a MAPS support club for those aged 13 or up. He, he wrote, Berlatsky wrote, that pedophiles are essentially a stigmatised group, and he even criticised the definition of trafficking. I think I got this from Steerpike, uh, the spectator Steerpike, saying, Berlatsky says, it conflates underage people trading sex, consensual sex work, immigration, and all kinds of labour exploitation in all industries. He claims child sex trafficking is a deliberately obfuscating term which is basically designed to target sex workers workers rather than labour exploitation. He's also said that parents are tyrants, that parents are an oppressive class. Wow. Wow. This is what passes for morality, ethics and rationality in today's progressive elites. Okay, let's come on to education. This is a big bugbear for me. Uh, in Australia, we've just had a report which says that one in five teenage boys is semi-literate in high school, with boys twice as likely as girls to struggle with reading and writing at the age of 15. And that's data from a million Australian students. One in 10 girls and one in five boys failed to reach the minimum standard for writing after nine years of education. 11% of boys, 6.3% of girls failed to read at a minimum standard. Remember that? We don't need no education. Ah, but they'll be well educated in queer theory. I thought love was only true in fairy tales And for someone else but not for me Our love was out to get me That's the way it seemed Disappointment haunted all my dreams 
then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. Uh, the reason for playing that is the death of Mike Naismith, age 78. I think he is the second last monkey. I think there's one left who's still alive. The monkeys were based on the Beatles. Um, I do remember but watching them. Uh, and yeah, I'm a believer. It's got nothing to do with believing in Christ or believing in God. But sad to see uh, another icon from the past if you like And then comes this incredible story. Now, I'm going to let James Morrow on. James is a journalist here in Australia who I, I've got a lot of time for. I follow him on Twitter and I think he actually follows me. So, James, if, you, if you're hearing this, um, thanks for this wee clip. I hope you don't mind us using it about the actor Jussie Smollett. Now, on Friday morning local time, the actor, though, as we will see, not a very convincing one, was convicted in a Chicago courtroom of five out of six charges brought against him for faking a double-barreled racist and homophobic hate crime against himself back in January 2019. Smollett, then a star of the US TV show Empire, claimed, now stick with me here, it's a great story, that on a freezing cold night in Chicago, when it was minus 16 degrees in the dead of night, he decided at 2 a.m. to go out to Subway and buy sandwiches. And when he did so, he just happened to have been set upon by two racist, homophobic white guys in downtown Chicago wearing MAGA hats who told him this is MAGA country before putting a noose around his neck and splashing him with bleach. <laughs> For real. Now, as storylines go, this was more convoluted and preposterous than the latest Marvel movie. And yet... And yet, the American, oh, and actually the world media, ate this up with all the gusto of stoned uni students eating unheated Pop-Tarts straight out of the packet. CNN's social media pages ate the story up without an allegedly to be found. The New York Times, too, leaned in hard on the story. The American ABC also pushed the narrative hard, calling it, quote, a brutal attack. But anyway, now we know the truth. Because in what may be the first case in American history of an American scamming Nigerians, Smollett, it turns out, paid two Nigerian brothers, one of whom he had a sexual relationship with, to deliver the fake beatdown, which was in truth so light, he made it back to his hotel with the sandwiches he'd gone out to pick up. Now, Smollett has been found guilty of lying, uh, claiming to be a victim of a racist homophobic assault, as uh, James Morrow has pointed out. Now, I'm not going to go into all the incidents, but he basically paid somebody. Uh, in fact, he paid somebody who he had been involved in a sexual relationship with, a man. Um, he paid somebody to fake this attack, to attack him. Now, what gets me about it is not the wickedness of doing that. And it's wicked because there are people who get racist attacks and who get homophobic attacks. And 
he's just done them an enormous disfavor. But it was the fact that people like Joe Biden and others tweeted his innocence and made judgment beforehand. So Biden, for example, tweeted out on January the 30th, 2019, what happened today to Jussie Smollett must never be tolerated in this country. We must stand up and demand, but we no longer give this hate safe harbor, that homophobia and racism have no place on our streets or in our hearts. We are with you, Jussie. Now, as far as I know, there's been no retraction from Biden from that. And here is a problem. We have politicians, presidents, leaders, pronouncing verdicts before the crime has been investigated. The New York Times, CNN, all of them joined in on it because it suits their narrative. And they aid and abet the likes of Smollett and their crimes by doing that. Now, the Bible is always relevant. And I was reading something, um, which I'm gonna to read to you from Habakkuk in a moment, but I think it's relevant to this situation described about a volcano in Indonesia. At least 34 people are dead, killed by the sudden eruption of this 12,000-foot volcano, Mount Semeru, on Saturday. More than 20 people are still missing and thousands have been displaced from their homes, as those who survived still fight for their lives and relive the horror of that day. <laughs> I mean, it must be, I've never been in a volcano, but to have the ground shake, I've never been in an earthquake, it must just be extraordinary. I've been reading Robert Harris's Pompeii, and it's just a, a superb book about the Pompeii volcanic eruption, Vesuvius. And I've got this one sentence, which, phrase, a couple of sentences. Men mistook measurement for understanding and they always had to put themselves at the center of everything. Listen to this, this is just brilliant. I think it describes COVID, everything. Harris goes on, that was their greatest conceit. The earth is becoming warmer. It must be our fault. The mountain is destroying us. We have not propitiated the gods. It rains too much, it rains too little. A comfort to think that these things are somehow connected to our behavior, that if only we lived a little better, a little more frugally, our virtue would be rewarded. But here was nature, sweeping towards him, unknowable, all-conquering, indifferent. And he saw in her fires the futility of human pretensions. And that passage in Habakkuk? Lord, I have heard of your fame. Habakkuk 3.2. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time make them known. In wrath remember mercy. God came from Timan, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the mountains tremble. The ancient mountains crumble and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. Just think about that. And then this. The safety car is coming in at the end of this lap. We're going to have one lap of racing to decide the championship. Hamilton has the advantage. Verstappen has the faster, fresher tyres. And we have got 3.2 miles of racing action all the way to the chequered flag as the crowd roar the drivers on to the final lap of this.
this race and Verstappen sets after Hamilton. Is it going to be a first world championship for Verstappen? Is it going to be an eighth world championship for Lewis Hamilton? Where can Verstappen try and get past Hamilton? First overtaking zone is normally down into turn five. Is Verstappen far enough back? He's going to make the lunge down the inside. Hamilton sees him coming. It's a late lunge by Verstappen who takes the lead of the race. Verstappen now snatches the championship trophy from Lewis Hamilton who's trying to fight back. Now, I'm not going to say anything about the controversy. It does seem rather bizarre that he was five laps ahead and then it was because of a crash. It was all brought back and he wasn't given that same advantage and he lost. But what I'm struck by, just a couple of articles that Lewis Hamilton, we, we, we take people like Lewis Hamilton and we Christians tout them as Christians because of some religious connection that they have. Hamilton, for example, grew up a Catholic. He talks about God having his hand over him. He talks about um, going, well, he does go to church on a Sunday. Maybe he is a Christian. I don't know. I think by his stance on some issues, it's highly doubtful that he regards the Bible as the word of God. And I do think sometimes we get a bit desperate in trying to claim people as Christians as though somehow the validity of our faith is improved when a celebrity says something that appears to endorse it. So take, for example, this gentleman in the same vein. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look at the five and ten it's glistening once again With candy canes and silver lanes that glow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store But the prettiest sight to see Is the holly that will be on your own front door Okay, okay. Look, I've got good musical taste, but I do actually like Michael B Bublé. Um, he's certainly got that silky voice. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. But he has been promoting a Christian app, uh, along with a number of other celebrities. The app is called Glorify, and he talks about how prayer has been such an important part of his life. With Glorify, we now have the tools to find moments throughout the day to connect with God on our own terms. Now, I'm not sure I want to be connecting with God on our own terms. Anyway, that that's part of the same thing. Bubli may well be a Christian. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I just think we should be extremely reluctant about claiming whenever a celebrity uses God words, claiming them as a believer. Well, look, here's a really good news story. I saw the report of the Afghan refugees coming in from Kabul on the army plane and the story of the Vesal family. And my mother had been a refugee during the Second World War and fled from her home. And she only survived through the kindness of people along the way. And I, I just felt I had to do something and give back something for the kindness and the humanity that, that helped my mother and her family survive. In, in the world you can find a generous woman, a generous pupil to help you when you are in a dark side and they, they come and put a light in, in, into your room. Come on then, this is your house, this is your new house, come on in.
come on in. Look in there. What do you see? That is just an incredible, I think this is lovely. It's a woman called Helga McFarland in Aberdeen who saw the story of the Vessel family from Afghanistan. And she reached out to them and basically gave them a flat in Aberdeen. Incidentally, I heard of an, another Afghan family who went to Wick, but it was just too cold for them and too isolated and, and too lonely. I, I have sympathy with them, even for those of you who are listening from Wick. But Helga McFarland is a Scottish daughter of a German refugee. And she's 75 years old, I think. But her mother had fled Ger Germany with her own mother and sister and found great kindness from people. And she basically said, I want to give some of that back. And I love what Burhan, one of the Afghans says, the man says, your generosity, your kind heart will never be forgotten. We still have good humans inside this world and you are an example. Generous people help you when you're in a dark side and they come and put a light into your room. Now there's a lot of political arguments about refugees and it is not as simple or simplistic as people on either side put it. But one thing is clear, there are people who need refuge. And Christians, we shouldn't just be the ones talking about it. We should do what this wonderful woman has done. She said, you're part of our family now and you're so welcome. I just think that's a brilliant story. As is this, um, I do want to finish with this, uh, Tim Keller. Christmas is about dealing with the darkness. Luke does not start this account saying this. He doesn't say, once upon a time. Nor does he say, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. Which is a way to signal that this is a story. When, when, you, when you, you know, you see the movie and you see, long, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, you know we're being told about it. A wonderful story that's going to inspire us, but it never really happened. That's not what Luke is saying. Luke starts his story. <clears throat> you know the year that Caesar Augustus had the first great big census of the whole Roman world? That's the year that what I'm about to tell you happened. See, what he's actually doing here is he's telling us this really happened. In fact, if you go back just to the very beginning of Luke chapter 1, just, to, just you know, the very beginning of his book, he's writing to readers and he says, this is an eyewitness account. What I'm giving you is an eyewitness, eyewitness account. So in the beginning of chapter 1 of Luke and the beginning of chapter 2 of Luke, He's saying, the most important thing for you to know is that the baby born in a manger, Jesus Christ, Son of God, becoming human being and being born in a manger, that really happened. It really happened. Now, Tim Keller has a wonderful article in, I believe, the Atlantic. Yeah, it is. It's in the Atlantic, talking about his cancer and how he's had to face up to death. And I, I think it is absolutely marvelous describing how he and Kathy have had to deal with this and how they've dealt with it by the, the Psalms, by meditation, especially on the resurrection of Jesus. And he says this, To our surprise and encouragement, Kathy and I have discovered that the less we attempt to make this world into a heaven, the more we are able to enjoy it. And this is beautiful. I can sincerely say without any sentimentality or exaggeration that I've never been happier in my life and that I've never had more days filled with comfort but it is equally true that I've never had so many days of grief. He talks about dealing with his fears and savouring his joys and his consolation being stronger and sweeter than ever. And not in that article, but elsewhere, Kathy Keller 
has thanked people for praying for Tim and pointed out that he, he's been diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, at least in March last year, and he's actually doing remarkably well. She says his doctors are using words like fantastic and dramatic to describe his progress. I have to say this, I am praying to the Lord, not so much for Tim's case, but for Kathy, yes, and the rest of his family, but for our case as well. I, I think the church, I don't know, just from a human point of view, I think losing someone like Tim Keller at this stage seems to me to be disastrous. Let's, let's go out with Mary's Boy Child. As I say, I absolutely love this song. Man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. And these lines, Oh my Lord, you send your son to save us. Oh my Lord, your very son you gave us. Oh my Lord, that sin may not enslave us and love may reign once more. Just brilliant. I will we'll have one more before Christmas uh, next week. If you've got any news and views and stories, please feel free to send them in. Any of those of you who do, thank you. Thank you for those of you who've provided positive and constructive criticism. Thank you for those who help support this. And if you want to do so, go to the Podbean fundraiser. And don't forget the Ask podcast as well, where we the re- most recent one was Greg Sheridan on Angels. I think you'll find it somewhat surprising and stimulating all the links will be on the webpage on the blog god bless you and see you next week Shout it, let everyone know There is hope for all to find